the Navy shoots down a drone over the Red Sea, as the UN calls for a humanitarian pause in the Israel-Hamas war. Produced by Defense News and Military Times, this is the Early Bird Brief. Each morning, we bring you the defense and national security news of the day. We do not support striking a hospital from the air, and we do not want to see a firefight in a hospital where innocent people, helpless people, sick people, uh, are simply trying to get the medical care that they deserve, not to be caught in a crossfire. Hospitals and patients must be protected. And European officials say they may not fulfill a pledge to send Ukraine 1 million rounds of ammunition by next spring. I'm your host, Jonathan Lairfeld. Today is November 16th, 2023. First up, the Navy destroyer Thomas Hudner shot down an air drone in the Red Sea yesterday. It marks the second time in less than a month that a Navy warship has done so in the Middle East amid concerns of a broader conflict in the region. According to a brief Pentagon statement, the drone originated from Yemen. And the Pentagon said the Hudner fired on the drone in self-defense while it was transiting international waters. Here's why it matters. Navy destroyer Kearney also shot down cruise missiles and drones while in the Red Sea on October 19th. U.S. officials at the time said Iran-allied Houthi rebels in Yemen launched the barrage toward Israel. Hunter is deployed with the Gerald R. Ford Carrier Strike Group, which the Pentagon sent to the eastern Mediterranean Sea following the Palestinian militant group Hamas's October 7th attack on Israel. U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria have faced 55 attacks from Iranian-backed militias in the last month, according to numbers the Pentagon released earlier this week. Pentagon officials have not directly drawn a line between the attacks and U.S. support for Israel. But U.S. officials have issued warnings to Iran-backed proxy forces in the region to not escalate the conflict. The U.N. Security Council approved a resolution yesterday calling for urgent and extended humanitarian pauses and corridors throughout the Gaza Strip after four failed attempts to respond to the Israel-Hamas war. The vote was 12-0 to with the United States, United Kingdom, and Russia abstaining. The resolution calls for humanitarian pauses and corridors throughout the Gaza Strip for a sufficient number of days for the UN, Red Cross, and other aid groups to get water, electricity, fuel, food, and medical supplies to all those in need. It says the pauses also should allow for repair of essential infrastructure and enable urgent rescue and recovery efforts. But the resolution does not call for a ceasefire. Conflict in the region escalated after Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th killing about 1,200 people and taking some 240 others hostage. Israel retaliated with airstrikes and a ground offensive in Gaza. Gaza's health ministry says the ground offensive has killed more than 11,000 Palestinians. Israeli troops yesterday stormed into Gaza's largest hospital, searching for traces of Hamas inside and beneath the facility. Newborns and hundreds of other patients in the hospital have been without electricity and other basic necessities for days as fighting raged outside. Hamas and Gaza health officials deny militants operate in the hospital Shifa. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said this week, the U.S. has intelligence that militants in Gaza are sheltering in hospitals. We have information that Hamas and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad use some hospitals in the Gaza Strip, including al-Shifa, and tunnels underneath them to conceal and to support their military operations and to hold hostages. The U.N. General Assembly previously adopted a resolution on October 27th calling for a humanitarian truce. 
Israel agreed on November 9th to four-hour pauses, but only very limited aid has been delivered to Gaza through the Rafah crossing from Egypt. other news, more sailors and Marines may now refuse non-judicial punishments. For more on the recent military justice change, Navy Times reporter Diana Stancy joins the pod. Hey Diana, can you share more about which troops now have access to decline non-judicial punishments? Also, what's the vessel exception? Yes. So now uh, sailors and Marines who are assigned to ships that are undergoing maintenance and are stuck in dry dock, sometimes for really long periods of time, they now have the explicit right to decline non-judicial punishments under Article 15 of the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So this change dates back to 1962 when the so-called vessel exception was adopted. So this explicitly stipulated that sailors or Marines could not refuse non-judicial punishment in instances where they were, quote-unquote, attached to or embarked in a vessel. This caused some confusion in terms of interpretation because, you know, some sailors who were assigned to ships in maintenance that were stuck on the dry docks for years, they also were not afforded the same rights that other service members who were assigned to shore duty and other members of different military branches are afforded due to this so-called vessel exception. So according to the Office of the Judge Advocate General of the Navy, the service issued this new guidance that makes it very clear that now the only time when sailors and Marines can not decline non-judicial punishment is when a ship is operational. So this is designed to apply the vessel exception more fairly, consistently, and justly. What have experts said about the Navy's policy? It's interesting because experts have often pointed to the fact that this policy first came about in 1962, and essentially this was done so that commanding officers were able to implement quick punishments for minor offenses without having to bring in a court-martial while a ship was deployed or at sea. So according to critics, though, this process, um, and given all the modernization that the Navy has done since 1962, it's a bit outdated. However, some other experts have also said that there is still a place for the vessel exception so that commanding officers can quickly handle minor offenses without bringing in a a court-martial to sea, but overall the consensus is that there's no need for it when a ship is in dry dock, and so uh, this policy does clarify that and make things easier for sailors then. Thanks, Diana. For more conversations like this one, please like and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Also on the radar for today, the European Union's executive said it proposed a new package of sanctions targeting the Kremlin and its associates to EU member states yesterday. It comes as several European nations will reportedly fail to meet a commitment to send Ukraine one million rounds of ammunition by next spring. Officials said that's because manufacturers are prioritizing the export market rather than ramping up production. As they arrived for a summit in Brussels this week, Local defense ministers and European Union officials admitted the bloc would not be able to honor the promise it made this spring to Ukraine. Here's why it matters. The slowdown in the delivery of much-needed 155mm shells comes as Ukraine's counteroffensive against Russia's full-scale invasion that started in February 2022 grinds to a halt. Furthermore, U.S. lawmakers have cast doubt over whether the U.S. will continue to arm Ukraine at the same significant level. Earlier this year, the EU earmarked 1 million euros, or about 1.1 billion U.S. dollars, to compensate members for the shells they donated to Ukraine from their stocks. 
It also earmarked more to fund the joint purchase of more munitions from EU states and Norway. A third initiative forecasted EU funding for factories and the acceleration of permits for new facilities to speed up production. The goal was to deliver 1 million shells in 12 months. But the EU foreign policy chief said the goal is likely not going to be reached. Germany's defense minister agreed. Speaking to reporters, Latvia's defense minister said the intent was good, but the original target number should not be taken too literally. Well, uh, of course, uh, one million rounds are symbolic. Uh, I think aspiration and ambition is important. So the timeline also depends on uh, those steps which will be made, how successfully. But I think in this case, uh, the political intention uh, to uh, provide one million rounds and beyond also the different kind of uh, support is the most important. Estonia's defense minister said it is crucial to ramp up production to supply Ukraine with the ammunition that was pledged. Let's look at Russia. They are producing today more than ever. They are getting uh, shells from uh, North Korea. Europe cannot say that, you know, Russia and North Korea can deliver and we cannot. Additionally, Russia's state Duma took a step forward yesterday towards approving its biggest ever federal budget. It will increase spending by around 25% in 2024, with record amounts going to defense. And now here are some other stories that we're hearing chirps about. NBC News reported that a spokesman for the 1st Marine Logistics Group said that a Marine charged with sexual assault after a missing 14-year-old girl was found at his Camp Pendleton barracks will face a court-martial. North Korea said it successfully tested new solid-fuel engines designed for intermediate-range ballistic missiles this week. The test comes as it works on enhancing its nuclear-capable arsenal with more powerful, harder-to-detect weapons that can potentially target U.S. military bases in Guam and Japan. And one of the twin army officers former President Donald Trump targeted for their roles in his impeachment scandal is launching a Democratic congressional bid. Yevgeny Eugene Vindman is running to replace Representative Abigail Spanberger in Virginia. Spanberger announced this week she will leave Congress next year and launch her own bid to become governor of Virginia in 2025. And on this day in history, in 1959, the musical The Sound of Music opened on Broadway. It's based on the true story of the Trapp family and their escape from Austria amid World War II. That's it for us this morning. To get more of the top stories and breaking news, go to defensenews.com EBB to subscribe to the Early Bird Brief newsletter. Please give us a like, rating, and a comment wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at Defense underscore news and at Military Times. The Early Bird Brief is hosted by me, Jonathan Lairfeld, and today produced by our video team. Today's episode features stories by the Associated Press, Diana Stancy, and Tom Kington. Our editor-in-chief is Mike Cruz. Have a great day.